Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. In today's episode, I'm excited to have with me Jill Annabelle, Senior Vice President of Programs for NCEA, National Catholic Education Association. So Jill, welcome to Chattachesis. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, wonderful. We love getting people sort of across the aisle, so to speak. You know, we have teaching and education, and then we have catechists and catechesis, but we're all really working together in our own pursuits. Uh, They complement each other. So I really appreciate you being on the show. Why don't you um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your role at NCEA um, as director of programs or vice president of programs, and then maybe a little bit about what programming people can expect from NCEA this year. Yeah. Uh, well, my background is in education. So I've been a Catholic school teacher, Catholic school assistant superintendent of the Diocese of Grand Rapids before coming to NCA, overseeing really curriculum instruction, technology integration. And then as I came here to NCA, I'm overseeing the variety of programs we have for professional learning and also faith formation um, for teachers and catechists and school leaders and system leaders. And it's been a joy to work with schools throughout the country, um, really in those on both fronts, on both faith formation and on um, professional content learning um, for teaching. And so we really do have a variety of programs coming up um, in addition to the conventions. I know we'll talk a lot about um, convention in April mm-hmm. in New Orleans, but we also have virtual workshops on navigating the fourth quarter for teachers, especially new teachers, to join us on March 15th. Um, And then after convention, we have a variety of things happening. One is elevating the work out of Milwaukee um, on Catholic social responsibility in Catholic schools, a beautiful document that they've created. They are um, coming to us for a virtual workshop on June 1st. Uh, We also are digging into how to get the most of your acre data on May 25th. And then we are so glad to be back at doing regional workshops, in-person workshops. The Diocese of Joliet said they'd host us for a couple days to really uh, dive into exceptional learners on June 15th and 16th. And then we're coming back to them to talk about micro schools and multi-age classrooms on June 21st and 22nd. So we are up and running. In addition to convention, we have (laughs) a lot of things out and about happening to support um, all the work of schools right now. Yeah, sounds like a lot. Of, it's in the hopper there for NCEA, and and by and large, and and, and uh, particularly since uh, 2020 or the pandemic, has has contact uh, been virtual? Are these uh, workshops pri- primarily virtual, or are you starting to do more in person things? Well, we're, we're, we're back, you know, mm-hmm. people are asking again for us to come and keynote and do workshops for them in different dioceses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but really I came to NCA a few months into the pandemic. And so we've been doing a lot of virtual last year's convention was 100% virtual. Mm -hmm. We reached 10,000 people in our audience that week in April of 2021. And a lot of our presentations and cohorts um, this year have all been virtual. We've been doing a cohort on Ladato C for -hmm. teachers. We've been doing a cohort for addressing student learning loss and um, strong, small Catholic schools, the micro schools, those have all been virtual cohorts for the year and our new leaders academy, new superintendents academy, those have all been virtual. And so now we're into this hybrid world where we're going back Mm -hmm. into person, um, but we get to do this with intentionality. We get to stop and pause and think, does this need to be in person? Is that best to be looking face to face? you know, with synodality to be really thinking about as a listening church and as, as those in our vocation and our ministry to be really having deep conversation face-to-face, or could we continue conversations virtually and have the same outcome? So it's great to have two options now that we see strength in both and, um, you know, trying to continue to discern that as we move forward, this convention will be hybrid. So we will have Um, Right now, it looks like we will have more people joining us virtually than in person. So we'll have a large crowd in both spaces in April. Um, And, you know, going forward, we have to make those decisions about what should be in one space or the other. It's been kind of an exciting journey to figure out that we can reach more of our membership more often by doing some calls. Um, And also our team is all working remotely. So NCA staff right now lives all over the country. Mm -hmm. And that's a blessing too, because we can be present in person in more places without jumping onto flights, which is, which is super fun, actually. Right. Traveling, especially during wintertime is no fun, but uh, it's not terribly fun in general either. So I agree with you that if you can do remote work, which a lot of the employees at Sadly are in fact still remote and uh, although we do have some at the home office there in Manhattan, but um it's a new world, as you say, and I think it's um, just in time for this new world is a new uh, approach to evangelization, um, being more missionary minded, as Pope Francis would say it. And I think that the pandemic has really prompted some review and reflection of how we approach our audiences and those we serve. And and it sounds like um, not just on the school side, but certainly complementing on the parish side is uh, this hybrid reality. And, and it we do make some either or choices, but I think in the big picture, it's just, we have a diversity of options now for people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually in the long run, probably going to serve everybody better. Is that how you feel about things? I think so too. And my example is actually coming from a different piece of my work and that's, you know, on this synod working for our Bishop here, I, I live mm-hmm. in the diocese of Grand Rapids. And so sitting on the committee for the synod and trying to design, how do we, how do we listen to the church we of course, of course, did um, listening sessions in person everywhere in every parish, but then having a virtual option for people to tell the church how it's going was really important for us. If we're truly going to go to the margins, uh, if we think about it in a way of those who have been uh, disaffiliated, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those are the next generation who are likely to join us on a Zoom call or through a form online, so that we can get to the heart of what made them walk away and are they on the edge of coming back and how that ministry can continue, um, you know, going to the margins is, is just a little, it's a little bit more complex now, but, but here we are and we are willing to take all of those pivots as needed um, to reach those that we should be reaching in our ministry. 
I'm glad you brought up the Senate. I want to remind our listeners, too, that uh, we recently did a show on this, how the Senate is being conducted in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and to check that out on our Chattachesis webpage. Uh, but synodality, you know, as you bring it up, is something that um, I think will be another layer uh, on how we, on just Catholic discourse, how we do business, how we do ministry, and hopefully it's, hopefully it's not a, a, uh, flashpot kind of a thing, but that it really does grow some legs because listening to to each other and to what's going on in our local communities and and along with synodalia, subsidiarity as an important principle in practice, um, again, can only benefit the church, which as you pointed out, not only do we have a disaffiliation problem, we have a credibility problem. And how are we going to bridge, bridge that gap? It's by listening and proving ourselves to be trustworthy. So synodality, I think, provides a wonderful opportunity for that. I think so too. And, and watching students in Catholic schools uh, practice those moments of synodality through, I mean, so this is their introduction to, to this is through the synod and, and the prompts and questions for facilitated conversations is how the church should be. And so I love, I had a teacher, um, now a few teachers, but the first teacher who asked me, oh, so we could use this material for the synod and run our student retreat using these questions, of course, or staff retreats or whatever it is. This isn't just like you said, the flash in the pan. This is who we're called to be as a church. And it's fun to see that start to infiltrate how, how teachers are seeing their ministry. Absolutely agreed. Now, you, you just went through a variety of opportunities for folks to plug into NCEA. Um, it's probably hard to gauge this, but let's say since 2020, has there been a particular workshop, or maybe, maybe you'll put it this way, has there been a particular topic or theme that you've seen has been incredibly popular um, that you're offering or have offered? Two things come to mind. One is um, my colleague, Annie Smith, is the vice president for data and research, and she has done an incredible job um, in the last two years bringing together all of the data on Catholic schools. And mm-hmm. that has been extremely popular because she is able to visually represent where we are, what does enrollment look like, but all the other facets of of the subsets of enrollments and the patterns and trends of that has been extremely popular for system leaders and school leaders as they anticipate who are we serving and why, what is the, you know, what is this ministry and what are the charisms of our school and and why, um, who are we called to serve is really important Mm -hmm. um, because, because enrollments change so much as we jumped into the pandemic and now Mm -hmm. we're coming out of that so that we can retain students who came to us for the first time, even if they're not Catholic and, Mm -hmm. and all the, we're watching all these patterns happen. And that's really important. Um, Similarly, what I didn't anticipate being such an explosion was this concept of micro schools. Kevin Mm -hmm. Baxter and I co-wrote a text on this um, called greatness and smallness, a vision for Catholic micro schools. And it really just is, um, a change in the way we talk about our small and mighty Catholic schools, Mm -hmm. a fourth of the schools in the country, uh, Catholic elementary schools in the country serve a population under 150 students. Mm -hmm. And they're not all closing. These are strong communities. These are the ones with a beautiful, um, 
Catholic identity in strong parishes and small towns, mm-hmm. mostly mm-hmm. Um, some urban populations. But a lot of our patterns of the strong ones have been supported in small towns in rural America mm-hmm. and watching all the strengths of these small schools come together so that we can continue to strengthen small schools. Um, that has been a very popular topic. And so um, it's been really a joy to walk alongside school leaders and system leaders as they think mm-hmm. differently about how they talk about their small schools, how um, enrollment's important, but a balanced budget is even more important, and not, you know, really preventing school closures. Mm -hmm. Talking about how do we, how do we keep a thriving small community um, going, as opposed to um, being scared that the enrollment is so low that we have, uh, we don't have enough finance um, stability to keep the school moving. So that's been, um, really rewarding and also uh, very popular as I, as I answer the phone throughout the week. So let's just visit for a moment then um, maybe the demographics of enrollment and then also the micro school topic. Um, starting with the demographics, um, to the best of my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, we had a bit of an uptick in Catholic enrollment over the last year uh, uh, in the pandemic, something three to 5%. I'm not sure if that's correct. You can correct me uh, on a national average. Um, and you mentioned in your study, seeing patterns of uh, retention, are we seeing those folks signing up yet for 22, 23? I think it's too soon to tell. Um, I can talk anecdotally about how we are trending um, to have a higher enrollment this year um, and to remain steady. Okay. If there had not been a pandemic, we were projected to have fewer students in our schools right now than what we have which means that students are staying if they have come. We do Mm -hmm. not know what that means yet for the 22-23 school year. We don't Mm -hmm. know if they're going to continue to stay with us as their other options, their public school options, return to a more normal status. Um, We do know that our schools pivoted quickly. We do Mm -hmm. know that with... um, you know, it's subsidiarity. It's our ability to pivot locally to our family's needs because in Catholic schools, we are supporting families because they are the primary educators of their children in the faith. And so our ability to continue to um, adapt over time has been phenomenal. So we don't yet know. And I'll be very curious. I think we're going to be looking very closely at enrollment data over the next few years to see how can we continue to make sure that families stay. They came to us for good reason. It's because they trusted us and they knew us and they knew that there was going to be something special with their children and our care during a pandemic. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's really up to those local stories and how how our principals continuing to build relationship with families when it's still a little bit tricky. You know, I, I for my own children, we're not back to all the school and parish events that we would have had before the pandemic. So gaining community with new classmates and new families is tricky. Um, I know we're seeing that in parishes as well right now. And so um, it's too soon to tell what next year will look like. But for now, um, we are rejoicing in the fact that we're serving more families than anticipated. And, um, you know, there is there is no um, great silver lining necessarily to a pandemic. However, this mm-hmm. is an opportunity for us to serve those who hadn't otherwise thought of us. Right. No silver lining, but definitely a, a moment of, of evaluation. And everyone has done that, I think. And yeah. schools and parishes, uh, at least folks that I've talked to across the country, it's really been that moment of assessment and 
And again, how can we become more missionary? And, and we can say pivot also for Catholic schools, but I also want to say, um, and I know you feel the same way, what a, what a shout out and, and we can't laud enough our school administrators and teachers for just staying open and uh, doing it the right way and the safe way and really being kind of a, um, a vanguard for, for schools everywhere. And that was such an attraction um, to families, particularly those that had never sent kids to Catholic schools before. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that was that moment where they got to see who we are and got Mm -hmm. to see that we serve because we are Catholic and we will serve all who come to us. I think that has been a a really great moment that some have been great at talking about and others are just still chugging along and not talking about it enough. We're not great at praising ourselves as as faithful people, but I think that was a great moment for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in, in, in some, in some parishes, um, catechesis took a lot of strange turns as well for those students who aren't enrolled in schools. Some of it was Mm -hmm. great. And some of it was really hard to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Trying to find everyone when they weren't coming on Wednesday nights, I'm sure it was difficult. Um, And now as they return, just hoping that all return, um, I think is a worry for, for all catechists and directors of catechesis, but um, you know, the Catholic school has been a great option and, and hopefully we can get back to a point where everyone's numbers for our programs, um, in schools and in catechesis stay strong. Right. One thing that Sadler has done very well throughout the pandemic is supporting parishes and their pivot and catechetical pivot to try to launch out into more digital waters and encourage catechists, catechetical leaders to adopt, uh, remote uh, a catechesis model of some kind and to be there to help support that. That's It's a little more of a tech curve for some of our parishes than it probably was for schools, but they're, they're climbing that curve pretty well and pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. kudos to all catechists and catechetical leaders also. Um, micro schools, I just wanted to mention that uh, our school in Ankeny, Iowa here, a suburb of Des Moines, St. Luke the Evangelist is a very young school. Uh, I believe uh, we're four years old now. Um, we're in our second phase of, um, <coughs> pardon me, we're in our second phase of, um, uh, we've just built our, our a new addition to the school. We serve K through eight. Uh, prior, we were K through six. Um, our enrollment just keeps going up and up every year, but we started as a micro school. And I think one of our greatest strengths, which I'm sure you can affirm, is the just the community bonds Um between families, between school families, and those in the parish that are not school families, and trying to get everyone to see the bigger picture of parish school. And um, I think that our, our parish in particular has done a terrific job through a variety of social engagement, you know, events in person when possible, but mostly virtual, but just a good I hate to say it, but just a good marketing campaign too about about the value of a Catholic school in St. Luke's and uh, how it benefits the entire parish territory. So um, relationships really being the key there for our growth as a micro school. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it every, every micro school I've visited um, is just is just joyful. And when you go into one school, you've seen one school, right? That's why our, that's why our parents likely shop around for their parish and their schools. They really need to feel like they're part of that community. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that all hands on deck feel that you have mm-hmm. in a smaller parish. You're noticed if you're not there, the school, you know, the, the kids see themselves as siblings instead of classmates, which really t- 
teaches restorative practices and repairing and reconciling relationships for children because you can't just go put them into a different homeroom. They're together. They're especially right. in a new school. They're together <laughs> as right. that first graduating class all the way through. Right. Um, there's a lot for us to learn and to teach our children about relationships when they are part of something that is small and, and great. Um, you can't just ignore problems when you're our small school size. Right. You really are all embracing it together with transparency and good communication and community building. That's right. And like you said, with our newly added upper grades, if you have four people gone, half the class is gone. So you, right. you really you really notice those kinds of things. Uh, shifting to our another topic that's really important and timely is your convention. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about the 2022 NCEA convention? What, what are your theme or themes? Um, are there keynotes you're looking forward to? What can people expect if they attend? Yes. So we have a hybrid approach. We'll be together in person in New Orleans on April 19, 20, and 21. It's always Easter week. It's always joyful. It's all, everyone is refreshed. They just finished up Lent and they're together again with colleagues from throughout the country. We have a great lineup for you. Um, we also have hundreds of schools who will be joining us uh, virtually, which will be great. We're going to be, um, for, for what does that mean? I think people are trying to understand, what should I do? Should I come in person or should I be there virtually? We will have a live stream going of our main stage. And so we really put an emphasis on our keynotes and mass and any speakers who are in that main room because they will be live streamed. And we will also have an on-demand library available to all participants. So if you're coming in person, you can still go online and see that on-demand library. Um, but our virtual attendees will have lots of sessions um, virtually to, to see throughout those days and then extended period of time afterward. Our two big keynote, I'm very excited about our keynoters. We have Father Tony Ricard joining us um, in a session called Have You Seen Him? He has written beautifully about the ministry in Catholic high schools, especially to young men. And he is going to talk to us about um, seeing Jesus in everyone, that everyone mm. we encounter um, is a reflection of Christ. And he is not only a pastor, but also a campus minister and teaches theology in a Catholic high school mm -hmm. in New Orleans. And so we get to hear, um, I believe he's going to bring some students with him as well. And that will be a very uplifting and realistic um, look at ministry today, which is going to be amazing. So he's going to kick us off on Tuesday, um, Tuesday morning after mass. And then the next day, we have um, Chris McKenna coming to us from Protect Young Eyes. Mm -hmm. And his session is How to Lead Tech-Obsessed Youth with Empathy. His background is in understanding how, um, how, as Christians, we are called to evangelize through social media, but that's really hard. And so mm -hmm. he's a very balanced approach. So he's, he loves tech. But he understands it's not tech for tech's sake. And so a lot of Chris McKenna's work to this point has been uh, supporting dioceses and schools by empowering parents, mm -hmm. by doing parent workshops, by talking with parents about how to safely use technology in the home, how to uh, appropriately uh, discuss things like pornography with children so that they understand the dangers and the opportunities with technology um, to not be fearful of technology, but also to use it um, for God's will. And so I'm very excited um, about having him. It's going to be it's going to be great. And he's filled with energy. So he'll be keynoting on Wednesday. 
also on the main stage. So while we have all the breakout sessions happening, we have a variety of other sessions happening on that main stage. We have Frank Donaldson coming in, talking to teachers about how they're also part of school development and operational vitality because we're all the face of the school. Uh, we have a mental health panel coming to talk about what has been mental health in Catholic schools. Hmm. Um, how are our students doing, basically? How have they, have they um, weathered the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a session from um, our friends at Loyola in New Orleans. They've been working on Ladato C and mm-hmm. summer programming um, for environmentalism. So they're going to come on a panel and discuss um, how, as a school community, in partnership with the university, you can care for our home on Earth. Uh, We also have author Mike Boyle, Dr. Boyle, coming to talk to us about inclusion and belonging. And of course, we have favorite names like Sister Dale McDonald and Jennifer Daniels from the USCCB talking about public policy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on our final day, so on Thursday, uh, this is a panel not to miss. This is where our president, Lincoln Snyder, is going to sit alongside leaders from the U.S. Department of Ed and the USCCB and on school choice and talk about what is the state of Catholic education? Where are we right now and where are we headed? So that's going to be... a great way to kick off our work. You know, you you go out um, after a conference and you try to go do the work after being fired up for three days. And we're looking forward to seeing all the fruits of that labor um, after April when everyone returns back to their schools. That sounds like a terrific lineup, uh, both for uh, teachers as well as catechists. Uh, those topics really do uh, serve a, a huge scope. Um, so that's a wonderful thing to hear and see. Um, I'm really excited about it just listening to you. And um, I know if I were attending there, I think um, before I launched out into mission, I'd have to stop off and have a few beignets before I left New Orleans. So. <laughs> right. right, absolutely. And I, I guess I should mention too, New Orleans was so um, adamant that we make sure that we have a program for catechists because in their office, in their archdiocesan office, they have really blended Catholic education with the rest of catechesis and faith formation as a combined mm-hmm. office. And so it's important for them um, that we have sessions. There'll, there'll be plenty of catechists um, who don't serve in schools, who will be joining us in New Orleans. Terrific. Uh, thank you so much. That really gives us a nice picture of the convention. Can you give us those dates one more time? That is April 19, 20, and 21. Okay, and they can just hop on the ncea.org website and uh, to register. It's very simple. Um, so I think we're coming to the end here, and I just noticed how quickly time has flown, and it usually does on Chattachesis, because we always have terrific guests like yourself. So I want to thank you again. Um, I just want to pull up here uh, my screen, which just left, and we're here in this tech world, so we're at the behest of all things tech. But I want to thank you again, Jill Annabelle, who's the Senior Vice President of Programming at NCEA. And um, any final thoughts for our listeners? No, we're just grateful for these partnerships with Sadlier and with, with all those who serve in Catholic education. It's a joy to be in this ministry, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here today. All right. Well, we've certainly enjoyed having you. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, and we'll chat with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.